Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Second Peter chapter 1 and beginning in verse 5. We're going to begin and go through verse 10. But he says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure, For if you do these things, you will never stumble. We're going to stop right there, even though it's mid-sentence. We're going to stop at that point. I want us to really think about today just two aspects of these verses. Because I want to come back, Lord willing, next week and examine what it is to add to our faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance and godliness and godliness to brotherly kindness and how all of that leads us to a greater level of love because faith is that spiritual gift that God gives and then we grow in our Christian life by it and so we want to see some of the things the Apostle Peter has recognized and has mentioned just before this because being partakers of the divine nature so we want to get the setting of all of that But I think today, I want to think about this latter part of these verses. That he who lacks these things, the faith, the love, the self-control, the knowledge, the perseverance, the godliness, they are short-sighted even to blindness. And it's forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. But therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I'm drawing our attention then to being diligent to make your calling and election sure. I suppose that all Christians, that all Christians at some time in your life, we experience doubt. Doubt about our salvation. Doubt about, did I do it right? Was this, did I say the right things? Is God concerned with exactly what I said when I cried out to him or we're going to talk about some of these different things that sometimes bring about unassurance so that we can have true assurance because there are times that doubts enter your minds sometimes there may be just fleeting moments 
Sometimes maybe they last a long time. And that maybe it almost seems like a way of life. But that can cause us to fall into despair and despondency. Sometimes it's hard to lift yourself up out of that feeling because we get held up by our feelings and not by the Word. Many people have publicly confessed that they've lacked assurance of God's love and they lack assurance of that confidence of eternal life and they're not certain that they're saved. Not certain that if they were to to die today that they would go and be with the Lord. And in my many years of pastoring, that question has arisen more probably than any other question. It's been there to help people understand. You've had to come understand the truth about the spiritual conditions. And I think that's what Peter is talking about, to make your calling and election sure. You see, because our election is God's purpose for your life, how you live. It's not because God in His foreknowledge chose you to be saved and you to be lost. It's God in His foreknowledge because His foreknowledge is not causative. Man has a responsibility. Man has a place that you must cry out. The Scripture says that. So some would say, well, our election just means that I don't have anything, I don't have any responsibility. And that's just not true. Election is God's purpose for your life, how you live. Sometimes because people lack the confidence that God loves them, or feeling that Christ wasn't sufficient enough in what He did, to really give me salvation, to really make it secure. So, and in spite of everything God has said, you know, and I found a remarkable verse that I found in Isaiah 32, verse 17. It says, The work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. I like that. What Isaiah is saying there is where God grants righteousness, with that comes peace, comes assurance. So we can just rest on that. The New Testament speaks so often about the assurance. Colossians 2 and 2, and you'll find all of these in the sermon notes if you want to look there. Colossians 2 and 2 talks about full assurance. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5 talks again about the assurance of our salvation Hebrews 6 and 11 says the full assurance of hope, much assurance. So in Hebrews 10 and 22, he talks about the, the full assurance of faith, full assurance. Mentions it three times over and over, much assurance. The God who grants us righteousness with assurance grants that in our lives so we can know those. And through the New Testament and the Old Testament, They talk about assurance, and though assurance is associated with our hope in Christ, and our faith in Christ, and with righteousness, through assurance that's given to us by God, nevertheless, sometimes we, in our humanity, we fail. Even though in God's sight it's as good as done, it's all taken care of, now there are reasons why we might lack assurance. And there are two other reasons that I would say that I want to talk about first. There are people that have assurance, maybe that shouldn't. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) There are those that have assurance that I would have to say they have no right to it. 
It's a false assurance. It's a false peace. It's a false sense of security. And there are those that, because that's very dangerous to have a false assurance, it's deadly. It's damning. Because it mistakes one's true spiritual condition. And there's an old spiritual song that was sung. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. And that's really true. Just because somebody says, oh, I'm a Christian, comes back to you have to do some examination. You have to say, did you follow what God said to become a Christian? Have you followed after God's word? So there are some people that have a feeling that all's well between them and God, but they did not come the biblical way. They did not come through Christ. And you can have an assurance that might have been brought by false religionists, false teachers, false prophets, if you would, and that give you a feeling, and you know, that's why Satan is in the business of religion. He and his demons, his emissaries, they want to build you up with a false assurance, because then you're not going to look for the truth. You're not going to, you say, oh, I'm fine. There are those that are not saved, but think that they are. There are those that say they're Christians, but they're not. And we see that in the uh, New Testament because there are those that came to Jesus and he says in Matthew 7:21, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and I will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. So you see, there are those that have a false assurance. They speak on it. What a great jolt. What a great sadness that brings that they probably have this false assurance and that's why Paul in in 1 Corinthians 11 said that when you're coming to the Lord's table when you're coming to the Lord's supper examine yourselves to be sure that you are in the faith be sure that you are right with God that's just a part of the reason that we examine ourselves but then he repeated it in 2 Corinthians 12 and 5. He says, examine yourselves. Again, he says, whether you will be in the faith. Because there are people who have assurance that have no right. Well, how did they get like that? How did they get to that state? How, how did that happen? Well, sometimes people get stirred up into such an emotional, ecstatic place that there are those that just want to whip everybody up to that ecstatic position where they begin what's called glossolalia or speaking in tongues and they say, oh, you've got to have the Holy Spirit because after all, it's the Holy Spirit that causes you to speak in tongues. Well, we know that's just not biblical. And so there are many people just because they got ecstatic just because they started to do something that looked like a religious thing, they say, I must have the Holy Spirit, therefore I must be saved. They have a false assurance. Hi, let me interrupt for just a moment and update you with some information. You can now contact us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. We also now live stream services on landmarkstockton, all one word, dot com. Or you can see us on Facebook at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Stockton. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love to send you information. So thank you and back to our podcast. There are those that 
misjudge their spiritual condition. They know the truth or they think they really believe the truth, but they haven't. And in fact, there's some in our modern day evangelism that contributes really to a false hope. You know, I hope you understand in logic there are syllogisms. You have a major premise and a minor premise. And then this is the premise. And like it's, well, John 1 and 12. That's a good starting place. Because it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Now that is absolutely true. Scripture is absolutely true. But there are those that would then say, well, did you do that? That's the major premise. Did you believe on the Lord Jesus? And then the minor premise is, well, if you did that, then you must be a child of God. But the question is, did they really understand and repent? And did they, or did they just say the words? There has to be a heart change. There has to be a repentance. And that's why our forefathers said, tested, then trusted. I've been looking at medieval history and seeing such persecution upon our Baptist forefathers that they really relied on, I'm going, we're going to test you before we believe you. Because there were those that were trying to get into their midst in order to tell on them, in order to say, oh, hey, there's a group of these Baptists that are meeting over here and you can route them out. I read of one story of uh, Pope Innocent III that killed 85,000 heretics, our Baptist forefathers, in, in one fell swoop. How sad. So you see, not everybody who just says, well, I did that, can then say that I have really become a child of God. That it's a tested thing. Well, we might say it's logical, and it is. The problem is you don't know whether the minor premise is true. You don't know whether what they, that they really just did trust in Christ. Am I making myself clear? I hope so. You don't know if they did that until they're tested. And that's the premise. That's, we believe the facts of the gospel. We believe the truth of God's word. And if you're trusting and you're following according to God's word, then... You can say, yes, I know I am a child of God. But when you're just saying, well, I have this head knowledge, but it's not a heart knowledge, we've missed. We've missed salvation. And that's what he's talking about there. That's what the whole premise is. There are those that have a head knowledge. Yes, I believe in God. The scripture says the devils believe. The devils also believe. So it takes more than just a head knowledge belief. It takes more than just a faulty proof profession but that's where the logic and the syllogism kind of falls apart and if we're basing assurance on inference or, or that well we infer that you know what they're probably a Christian then we have to come back that see does a life bear fruit does a life show that life has been tested and it's proven faithful you see the Holy Spirit gives assurance a human counselor cannot. Don't rely upon a human counselor to give you assurance. Rely on the Word of God. Rely upon the Holy Spirit to give you that assurance. So some people have assurance when they shouldn't have it. <laughs> I've said all of that to just say that simple thing. Some people have assurance that because they believed a false gospel. They believe they're saved. 
but they have a false assurance. What a sad, sad state that is. Well, there's another kind of a preliminary issue. Is some people think they have no right to assurance. That I, I can't know that. In fact, there are some people who think that it's really presumptuous to think of you that you could even have security. That you could be secure in Christ. How could you presume that? They say, well, if you hold to a security of the believer, that leads you to a life of carelessness. It leads you to a life of indifference in your Christianity. And it will lead you to unholiness. But we know that that's just not true. But that's the Arminian view. I was raised as a Roman Catholic. That was the Roman Catholic view. That you cannot know that you have assurance. Because after all, you are part of your salvation. God provide the grace, but you have to work for it. You've got something to merit. You have something to, to do in all of that. And so where you have in Roman Catholic theology and Armenian theology, man is involved in salvation, or whether you have this idea that there is no security, it's because man can default. That's the problem with that. But where we have a biblical, historical theology, salvation is the work of God. It's what God does in you and through you. The doctrine of security leads you to assurance. And we understand that we don't have a, a, a right to sin. We don't have a, a right to go off into unholiness. We understand that if you're a child of God, He brings about chastisement if you want to go that way. And so... If the former were true, that you could just walk away, that you could go do whatever, then you can never be sure of your salvation, even though they might be in possession of salvation. They might have the assurance, but they would feel like they could never have assurance, that they could walk away, even though they have it. And they say, well, that helps them to live a good life because they have to keep on living a good life in order, otherwise they might lose their salvation. Well, you see what a precipice it is, what a dangerous place that is to get on false theology. So let's concentrate really on the truth about assurance. True assurance, as Scripture teaches it, and what we want to achieve is exactly what he says in verse 10. Just what he says, that we may make our call and election sure so that we do not stumble. Number one, some might lack assurance because of being under strong preaching. Sometimes when you're under preaching that we see God's holy standard. We see God's holiness lifted up. We see that sometimes preaching can be confrontive in our lives. It can be convicting in our lives. It holds up a standard of holiness that we are striving for in our Christian life. And that kind of Preaching sometimes forces people to recognize our own sinfulness. It forces them to acknowledge the holiness of God, the lofty standards that we want to be living as, as a child of God. And that might lead us to a lack of assurance because it's, man, I'm just not there. I just haven't been able to do that. I just haven't reached that. You might say, well, is it bad? Is it bad to have biblical preaching that raises the standard that calls us to holiness? No, not really. That's what the pulpit was for. The pulpit might create anxious hearts. How am I doing? That's one of the duties is that we would convict 
and bring out and preach against sin. It's got to confront sin. It must call us to the highest and the holiest of standards. And by the virtue of all of these mandates, sometimes the effect is a little destabilizing. And sometimes we think, well, I'm just not in that kind of position because we compare ourselves to a standard of perfection. But that's where I want us to see Christ. Because I can say, and maybe you might say, well, I'm woefully short of that. Some people might say, well, I'm not even a Christian if that's the standard. But the demanding preaching, convicting preaching, strong preaching that sets a high and holy standard for the saved and it brings along a conviction of sin, it produces sometimes doubt among Christians, but it causes us to live more and more for Christ. And if nothing in your life is ever confronted, it may be that the preaching isn't convicting or strong or does the preaching necessarily maybe set a high standard? In fact, if you look at a lot of what's going on in our world today, there is kind of a milk toast. We don't want people to feel bad. We don't want people to feel like you've got to live at a higher standard. So it's unfortunate today that we're trying to see people raise their Christian lives to a greater standard, but sometimes it causes that idea that, well, I'm not at that standard yet, so I don't have that assurance. But about the only time anybody talks about assurance today is to make them feel assured, not to make them ask questions about assurance, if that assurance is a false one. I suppose maybe today fewer people struggle with assurance because there's not been that call to holiness. Some just want to make people feel good and convicting preaching can cause doubt. So the pulpit, if it has the luxury of being that creator of anxiety, of anxious hearts, the pulpit has to be that place where we understand also the assurance from God's Word, that we understand this is what God's telling us. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church. 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.